0: thing is done it is ready echo echo yeah it's echo. i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> it's because our house is almost empty
0: it is it's a it's different
1: so if it sounds a little echoey in here it's the house not our heads i promise <laughs> uh-huh. i'm so funny
0: that was really funny
1: <clears throat> how's it going good genuinely Brilliant. asking because i haven't seen you in a week
0: <laughs> yeah i've been gone
1: Again, it's Monday. It's fine. I'm not resentful. Or <laughs> <laughs> don't resent me. I just
0: do what I'm told. <laughs> uh, but yeah, not so bad. I got home late last night. Like midnight? And then, yeah, and then Harper, uh, I don't know if she heard me or if she just woke up because of whatever, but she woke up when I got home and <laughs> I was wearing a red shirt. That's my uh, my work colors and everything. And I um, go in there, color with her for a bit. Then I come out. And then she wakes up a few hours later, and then she's like, "Dada!" And I had taken off this red shirt in between this time as well. And then she like wanted me to come back in there and cuddle with her, but she wanted me to cuddle with her with my red shirt, like wearing my red shirt. She's like, <laughs> "Dada, red dada shirt, shirt, dada, red shirt." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, you want me to wear my red shirt?" Yep. It was so okay. funny. Okay. <laughs> it was so, like 1 a.m. at this point. <laughs>
1: we were laughing so hard. Like yeah. she only wants to cuddle with you if you're wearing that shirt. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. That but she was amazing. really cute. She was really cuddly and made me happy.
1: Well, welcome home. Thanks. Um, How are you? How's good. Like, oh, are you? Well, you didn't let me finish my sentence.
0: Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I
1: was going to say, welcome home, and now we're leaving our home. Yes. Like, literally last night, you got home at midnight, and we slept in this house for the last time. hmm So. <laughs> but yes, I'm good, to answer your question. I'm good. good. I'm glad. Tired, but what else is new? <laughs> right. 20 weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm tired just from walking up the stairs. But yeah, no, everything's good. Um, good. Happy to have you back. Thanks. Here Don't ever abandon me again. I will. Oh my but. gosh. <laughs> um, no, like I guess the only like news in my life is that I got called in for jury duty, mm-hmm. which I have never had that happen before. And of course it happens when I'm 20 weeks pregnant. And the funny thing is, is that I literally have a note from my doctor to excuse me from jury duty because Wyoming, or at least Cheyenne has this weird system where they don't just like call you for jury duty one time They put you on call for six months Mm -hmm. And so you're supposed to call in every week for six months to see if you're getting called in to actually go into jury duty Um, And I I asked my doctor if I could get a note to help me be exempt From this six-month period and they gave me one and I hadn't submitted it yet And I had it on my to-do list to get done this weekend. Yep and then on Thursday, they're like, hey, by the way, you're getting called in for Monday. I was like, are you kidding me? Rough. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, I'm going to show up with my big old belly because I'm showing super early this pregnancy. Um, and a note from my doctor. So hopefully they'll be like, uh, yeah, you can leave.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: Maybe I'll just drink a gallon of water before I show up to And <laughs> make it look extra full. <laughs> and then I have to pee like every two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all good it'll be an adventure i've always wanted to do jury duty because it sounds like fun but yeah it probably isn't (laughs) it's just like out of the norm of you know everyday life so i've always wanted to but not right now with our circumstances
0: yeah not after like just moving into a new place
1: all right you ready to get into this yeah
0: let's let's do it (laughs)
1: So I have a, I have a question. Um, did you hear about the plane that crashed on the way to the Ginger Convention?
0: No. <laughs> what happened?
1: <laughs> well, thankfully, there were no souls on board. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that one was good. You guys should have seen Miles' face as soon as I said that.
0: <laughs> like, I know where this is going. <laughs> But you have to finish the joke, otherwise it's not funny. (laughs) Go ahead.
1: Okay, so there's this plane, right? The (laughs) the plane crashes and every single person dies. However, a man that was on board goes home and tells his wife about it. How is that possible? How? Well, he wasn't single, so. Right. Every single person (laughs) on board died. (laughs) Okay, just a couple more. These ones are good, okay? Okay. Or at least, I don't know if they're good or if I'm just hormonal. Um, <laughs> hold on, which one did I want to do? Probably both. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, so this this joke kind of hurts my soul a little bit, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it's funny. Okay. <laughs> so if Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, and Dennis Dugan, is how do you say it? Dugan? I don't know who Dennis Dugan is. Are in a plane and the plane crashes, who will survive? Who? American comedy films. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oof.
1: Uh, that one made me laugh, but I love Adam Sandler and his stupid funny movies. So that one hurt my soul a little bit. Like maybe I just have bad humor. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> uh, that's all I have. Um, oh no, 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 one more. Sorry.
0: <laughs> this one's
1: a fun uh, World War One fact. Uh, did you know that there are more planes that have crashed at the bottom of the ocean than there are submarines that have crashed in the sky? <laughs>
0: <You duck. laughs> oh, really? Is that how that works?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jokes like that always remind me of, um, I, I brought this up with you personally before, but that there's a skit by, uh, oh, gosh, what's his name? That comedian that's really crude.
0: Uh, um, Dane Cook. Dane Cook, yeah. hmm
1: well, he talks about, I've only ever listened to a couple of his and it was like when I was in high school because I thought it was cool and stuff. But
0: uh, <laughs> It's not, but okay.
1: <laughs> but there's one skit he does where he's talking about like breaking and entering when he's in high school with his buddy and, you know, they're they're sneaking through someone's backyard, they're climbing over the fence and whatever. And he's like, yeah, we're going on this B&E, breaking and entering, B&E, and he kept calling it that. And then his friend's like, oh no, oh no, I heard a car. And he's like, you think? I'd be more concerned if it was a humpback whale. <laughs> 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 so jokes <laughs> like that where it's like clearly you know it always makes me think of <laughs> that. skit.
0: what else are you gonna hear <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyways it. i know i've talked about plane crashes before and i've done jokes uh-huh. on plane crashes but that is the subject that we're talking about today
0: captain sully you knew it i did <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you want to tell him how you knew it
0: so earlier courtney <laughs> was um uh like we were talking about it and i just out of the yeah Joking, because you know we keep these topics kind of secret from each other, but until we actually record it. Yeah. Um, so I asked her like, "Hey Courtney, what's the uh, what's the episode on this week?" And then she's like, "Monsters Inc." I'm like, "Wheels turning." Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm he's like,
1: like, "Is it about someone named Sullivan?" And I was like, <laughs> "What?" And he's like, "Wait, I think I know."
0: I, I didn't say that, but I'm just like, "Nope, I'm gonna keep quiet." I, at that point I'm like I know who it is but <laughs>
1: genuinely I was like how many Solis are there come on but honestly that's a pretty unique name so
0: yeah it's like you should have chose a different Pixar movie for me okay too.
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I tried to combat that with like what if it was the story about a guy named Mike like
0: <laughs> like no you would have picked like I don't know Suits because we've been watching Suits recently and that yeah, like, fair. guy yeah something more obvious no uh, <laughs> your lie was pretty obvious this time around all my detective skills are just on point. I think
1: you just know me. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, I Captain do. Sully. Oh, if, do you know his story, or do you just know his name? I'm assuming um, you know the story.
0: I know, like the like crashing over the Hudson River and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, like I know that story, but beyond that, that's kind of yeah, it. yeah. I mean, that's and like, that he's a pilot,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> that's like the main thing of the story is the Hudson River crashing. So I'll talk about that in detail and kind of give you like a perspective of what happened. Perfect. But of course, I'm going to tell you his life because people like uh, that's one of the reasons why i love this podcast is that people have some incredible stories in their lives but overall in general they're just incredible people Mm -hmm. who've done a lot more things than what they might be known for so it's fun to hear the actual story itself but then also to hear kind of what made them who they are and things like that so we're gonna get into that cool so I i made it all the way down to like the end of these notes when i realized that his name is actually chelsea i i didn't know that glazed over that apparently because <laughs> i was like oh sully so chelsea burnett sully sullenberger the second no no sorry the third so he obviously gets a nickname from his last name sullenberger yeah. so i sully. thought it
0: was sullivan but sullenberger make okay
1: close enough because yeah. sully like how many that, that, names that's that honestly that's around?
0: where i got it from and like sully and in monster Inc. of course like yeah. sully is sullivan um, yeah. So that's why I thought that. But anyway, continue.
1: Yep, yep. So it's Sullenberger is his last name. So he was born January twenty third, nineteen fifty one. So our child might share a birthday with him. Who knows? Anything in January, I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> So he was born in Denison, Texas. He has a sister named Mary, so it's just the two of them. His father was a descendant of Swiss-German immigrants, which is where the name Sullivan, or sorry, Sullenberger. Sullenberger comes from. But the original German spelling was S-O-L-L-E-N, and mm-hmm. the current spelling is S-U. So somewhere, somewhere that got changed. Same with, fun fact, my maiden name, but also initially so spelled with an O, but with like the two dots above it.
0: The umlaut. Is that what that's called? I think so.
1: Hmm. The more you know. But yeah, somewhere along the lines, it got transferred to an American English translation of it, and it became HESS, H-E-S-S.
0: Instead of H. So your last name could have been Hoss. Could have been. But HESS is better.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how far along the line is, because there's a lot of, like, actual German immigrants and people who, like, live and grew up in Germany who's who spell it the same way that we did. Mm-hmm um i just know like way back when the original spelling was h-o anyways enough about me even though it's my podcast just kidding <laughs> <laughs> okay so da, 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 why is that on my page get off
0: oh before i begin as well i have to do a shout out to joseph our mentor he's one of my co-workers and he started listening to our podcast oh and he's like no it's really good i'm just like yep yeah, just tell your friends because we need more <laughs> listeners um but anyway. he's
1: like it's really good i promise as he's like <laughs> cringy. <laughs> just kidding
0: no I kept, I kept bringing up he would bring up our stories and stuff like that and because um, we're talking about another project that we have for work and part of it i think is going to be in estes uh-huh. and he's like oh we should stay at the stanley hotel i'm like oh, joseph that's part of our podcast too. I did an episode <laughs> on that. I'm like, I'm not gonna tell you which one it is because it's a surprise, but you have to go look. That just means
1: you have to listen to all of them to find out which one it exactly. is. Exactly.
0: So no. anyway, shout out to Joseph.
1: Hi Joseph. Thanks for thanks for joining us here. We had a
0: little bit of a bromance, so don't get jealous, Justin. He's still my boy. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love how he says don't get jealous Justin, not to his wife that's sitting right here. It's <laughs> fine. no I actually um my work asked me to submit like a little biography about myself for their website because they're updating their employees and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and my manager called me she's like you have a really cool past because I included like oh you know I spent a few years in England as a child um I have three dogs and what else did I say I have nine siblings
0: you're married to an Australian
1: I thought about that but it's not technically about me that's about you (laughs) it's about you um But anyway, so she called me and she's like, well, like, what are some of your current hobbies? And I wanted to say podcast, but um, (laughs) sorry if this current job ever listens to this. I'm actually planning on quitting in the next couple months. So I didn't want them to be like, oh, you have a podcast? That's so cool. And Then come and listen to it as I'm talking about, like, (laughs) potential. To be clear, this is my second job, Um, not my main one. So they can listen all they want. I'm not talking about you guys. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you can decide which one you are <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know no I'm just kidding it was just really funny because I'm like oh sometimes I like to read and sometimes I cross stitch I'm over here like I have an actual podcast <laughs> that I'm very dedicated to
0: that's my to. go-to I mean like yeah let's increase our listenership I have a podcast yeah. I have it on like my resume too like this is because it's kind of like a job for us
1: yeah I um, mean we, we pretty we much yeah. yeah
0: we don't get paid for it but I mean like we, we the put amount in... of time
1: we spend yeah I, like I think so job.
0: so like yeah i have content creator and co-founder of. just kidding but it's just content creator i'm pretty sure is what i have but anyway
1: oh, co-founder is legit though it is it is okay all right enough about <laughs> this yeah sorry sorry <laughs>
0: but yeah i had to do that shout out while we were before we like jump into it
1: okay um yada yada, yada decided of the swiss german immigrants he grew up uh fun fact about him he grew up on a street in denison that was named after his mother's family so kind of like a little tight-knit community people knew his family growing up as a child he frequently saw military jets at a nearby air force base near his house Mm -hmm. which kind of sparked his interest in flying was watching these jets uh and so as a child he liked to build model airplanes and aircraft carriers you know just cool yeah like make like his own little ones Another fun fact, he grew up Methodist, and his family attended the, uh, I don't know if it's Waffles or Waples Memorial, United Methodist Church in the town. Waffles? Waples. A waffles Do- Church? <laughs> yes. I'll join. No, it's W-A-P-L-E-S. Not F. No.
0: What, P-H? No. So a definitely waffles. not Waffles.
1: Not Waffles, no. Dang it. Had me excited for that a second. That would have been legit, though. <laughs> um, Sign me up. <laughs> so during school, Sully was very smart like very very smart when he was 11 his iq was high enough that he was actually able to join the mensa international club do you know what that is Mm mm-mm it's literally the largest and oldest high IQ society in the world. Wow. I didn't even know there was such a thing.
0: There's a reason I don't know about it because I'm not <laughs> one of those people. He was but. 11 when he joined. Holy
1: crap. Yeah. And apparently part of the criteria that people are like, wait a second, you might be part of this is if you're uh, consistently testing in the 99th, 99th percentile. <laughs> and he was at age 11 and he continued throughout his career. Wow. Um, so very bright, very bright man so in high school he was the president of the latin club he was the first chair flautist and an honor student obviously and then on the side when he was 16 he learned to fly he learned to fly in a, uh, i don't know how to say this an eron eronka champion which is a type of plane like a small plane um like a crop,
0: little crop duster
1: basically yeah Uh, It was a Champion 7DC, known as the Champ, or as an air knocker. And so basically it's a single engine light airplane that usually only seats one to two. Mm -hmm. And it has like a fixed conventional landing gear, so it's kind of like an older style airplane. Cool. So and he learned from a private airstrip, or he learned on a private airstrip near his home and he received training from a local flight instructor. And that is what started essentially his, the baseline of his flying career at 16, which is pretty cool.
0: Good for um, him for figuring that out at an early age.
1: Yeah. Like, it not only was it something he liked, because I feel like a lot of little boys like, oh, airplanes are so cool. Like, he took this and was like, airplanes are, cool. airplanes are my life, yeah. you know. <laughs> In 1969, he graduated from Denison High School near the top of his class of 350 students. He then entered the United States Air Force Academy, Academy, immediately following. He was then selected as one of a dozen other freshmen for a cadet glider program and by the end of that year he was an instructor pilot. Okay. So he's fresh out of high school.
0: He's already teaching people how to fly, fly planes. planes. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good gig, I mean. Yeah. yeah okay.
1: So he went on to get his bachelor's degree in psychology, which I thought was interesting, and basic science from the United Air State blah, blah, from the United States Air Force Academy. During his graduation, he received the Outstanding Cadet and Airmanship Award as the class's top flyer. He also earned his master's degree in industrial organizational psychology from Purdue University in 1973. So afterwards, he was assigned to undergraduate pilot training at Columbus Air Force Base in Mississippi. So this next section, I'm going to list off some of the planes that he flew and some of the areas that he flew in during okay. his Air Force career. A lot of it is probably going to go over both of our heads. Okay. But if there's anybody out there who knows anything about planes, this will interest you, a.k.a. my dad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my mom, too. Um, she works a lot with, like, yeah. Um, well, she has. Like, that's been her whole adult career. Yeah. It's like... She doesn't, she doesn't fly the airplanes, but um, but she handles, like, a lot of um, – she, like, worked with a lot of pilots uh-huh. and stuff like that. But anyway. Well, I'll tell you this. And, and Matt, too, but I don't know if he listens to us. But. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
1: Um, I'll tell you this. A lot of the planes that he flies in during his military career are, are small. Like, only a few people can fit in them kind of planes, and they're gotcha. cool. Like, they look like the kind of planes that you'd find on Top Gun. You know, like – They're they're pretty legit. And if anybody's interested, go to Wikipedia and go to, you know, look up Sully Sullenberger. And when it's talking about his military career, all of these planes have, like, a little highlight over them. You can, like, hover over it, and it'll show you a picture of the actual airplane. Cool.
0: Okay.
1: So let's get into that. So in at the Columbus Air Force Base in Mississippi, he flew the T-37 Tweet and the T-38 Talon. He officially earned his wings in 1975 as a pilot. He then completed replacement training in the F-4 Phantom II at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona. After Arizona, he was assigned to the 493rd Tactical Fighter Squadron, of 48th Tactical Wing at RAF Lakenheath. Fun fact, my dad was stationed there at one point um, in the United Kingdom, and there he flew the F-4D Phantom II. I think they have such cool nicknames for these planes. Oh, yeah. They have, they have to make them sound intriguing. <laughs> I mean, they are, yeah. but it's better than like whatever the scientific name could be, in my opinion. I wanted to bring this up while we're talking about Lake and Heath, England, United Kingdom. That is actually where we lived when we lived in England. We were stationed there. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, my dad, I don't know the exact like logistics of his job, but I know that he worked on aircrafts. And there were a few times my mom would take me and my brothers to the garage where he was working. And I I have vivid memories of going into these garages, huge, huge, huge garages. And it was always like, like the lights were almost orange and there were just giant airplanes in there. My dad would be like working on one and we have to wear headphones because the engines were so loud and it always smelled like fuel. Mm -hmm. Everything okay? Yeah. Okay.
0: Don't they call them hangers?
1: Hangers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that (laughs) but now that you see that that, I'm like wait a second yeah and I just yeah so I love that memory of going in and like the orangish light lighting and the smell of fuel and the really loud jets like it was just so cool so um yeah that's where he was stationed where he was able to fly so then after England he was reassigned to uh, Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada where he flew again the F-4D And then from there, he advanced to become a flight leader and a training officer, and he attained the rank of Captain. And with that, he had experience from Europe, the Pacific, and at Nell's Air Force Base, as well as operating as a Blue Force Mission Commander in the Red Flag Exercises, which is a periodic two-week advanced aerial combat training Mm -hmm. that the Air Force puts together. He was, like, one of the commanders for that, which I think is... Really cool. Like, yeah. let's talk about Top Gun. He was like running that show a few times a year. <laughs> right on.
0: Doesn't know Maverick. Just right. <laughs> it's like,
1: maybe you should ask him. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty, pretty cool so far with the military. Pretty cool career that he's got going on. He also was a member of an aircraft accident invention board while he was serving his time, which I'll talk about that a little bit more. Okay. But honorable mention, in 1979, he got another master's degree of public administration from the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, And then from there, he retired from the military and started, and he became employed by U.S. Airways, which in 2015 merged with American Airlines. So that's basically the line of aircraft that he was working with, was those planes. He stayed with U.S. Airways until 2010. So 30 years uh, during his time, he held certificate as an airline transport pilot for single and multi engine airplanes, so big and small. Mm-hmm. He also held a commercial pilot license, uh, rating in gliders, and he was a flight instructor for airplanes and gliders. And then, in total, he had more than fifty years of flying experience at the end of his career, which was equivalent to about twenty thousand miles in the air. Wow! Yeah, pretty legit. Wow, <laughs>
0: that's a that's a lot of miles. Yeah. I thought one was enough of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I kind—I should have put this note at the end. But in 2007, he became the CEO of Safety Rehabilit sorry Safety Reliability Methods Incorporated, which is a firm that does exactly what it sounds like it would do. It provides strategic and tactical guidance to enhance organizational safety performance and reliability within flying.
0: So, like, he he created that whole. Spiel that they have at the beginning of flights, probably. Like, to be honest, this is how you buckle a seatbelt and mm-hmm. unbuckle it, mm-hmm. lift the tap. Yep. And then... <laughs> Just kidding.
1: So, with his military training and with his degree in psychology, which I thought again was super interesting, he was actually very concerned about safety when it came to flying he like i said he was involved in investigation boards and i'll talk about that again in a second like i mentioned but he was very concerned about not only like the safety that people were using like the measures they were taking to fly these aircrafts but also like what were to happen in the case of an emergency are the crew are 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 they mentally capable of handling that kind of thing you Mm -hmm. know So he actually is part of the reason why there is so much training when it comes to being a flight attendant, to being a pilot, like in safety measures and having those kind of precautions because he studied so hard the psychology behind like crisis situations and like how to respond to them. And like when you're flying passengers in the air, you need to have someone who's going to be Mm level-headed and trained for that kind of thing and like know what to expect. So it's pretty cool. So again, I want to talk about the – Investigation boards that he was on. He was serving with the US um, Air Force and with the National Transportation Safety Board. One of the uh, accidents that he helped investigate was Pacific Southwest Airlines Flight 1771, which was a flight that was scheduled to fly on the West Coast in 1987. It was supposed to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco on December 7th, which is a pretty short, straightforward flight. Mm-hmm. However, during the flight, it was hijacked by one of the passengers on board who shot both of the pilots and three other passengers, and they ended up crashing in San Luis, uh, Obispo County, and all 43 passengers on board died. Wow. (laughs) So he investigated that crash, and again, like, when they do these investigations, they want to find out what exactly happened, how do we prevent this from happening, et cetera, et cetera. And then another crash he investigated was a USA, or sorry, a US Air Flight 1493, which collided with another flight, SkyWest Airlines Flight 5569 on February 1st, 1991. And this one is, it's kind of sad. I mean, they both are, but. So basically what happened was the US flight was a big one. It had 89 people on board. They were landing at LAX, so Los Angeles International Airport. The pilot got a little bit distracted because there were some abnormalities, including like a misplaced flight progress strip and an aircraft that had inadvertently switched off the tower frequency. So things were not going exactly how they should have been, and he was a little bit like kind of not paying attention, mm-hmm. trying to get someone, you know, get uh, someone's attention. And during this moment when he's landing The flight tower gave the other flight, the smaller flight, permission to take off. And so they're taxiing while Mm. this other flight is landing and they collided. The smaller flight, the SkyWest flight, had 12 people on board and all 12 were killed. And the larger flight, the U.S. air flight, had 89 people on board and 23 of them were killed. If you look at pictures, it's pretty brutal. Very much like... A crash site you know Mm -hmm. and that's just something that could have been avoided so easily you know so that was something else that he investigated and became very passionate about safety measures and like making sure every box is checked so with that he specifically was instrumental in developing and implementing the crew resource management course that was used by us airways and he taught the course to hundreds of airline crew members so i don't know if it's the exact same one that you see in every flight you know but i'm sure it was probably
0: something similar yeah, yeah.
1: he also worked with nasa scientists to co-write a paper on error inducing contexts in aviation so he you know he got up to the big leagues there yeah and then again he was studying psychology behind keeping the airline crew functioning during a crisis which again I think is just super interesting and like someone has to do it so I'm glad that it was this guy oh yeah
0: for sure like someone who has this high IQ and (laughs) yeah all that stuff yeah
1: so now you know his life up to this point right a lot of flying experience a lot of dedication a lot of heart into his flying career Mm -hmm. he takes his job very seriously so now we're going to talk about U.S. Airways Flight 1549. The flight. So it was January 14, 2009. Sully was 57 years old. He had, at this point, flown over 19,000 miles. And again, his career was 20,000 miles. So Mm -hmm. he was coming towards the end. He was the captain of U.S. Airways Flight 1549. His co-pilot was Jeffrey Skiles. I think that's how you say it. The flight was scheduled to take off from the... uh, guardia airport in new york city and land in charlotte for a quick turnaround and then they are going to fly from charlotte to seattle that was okay. the, the, the Cross trip. country okay mm-hmm. shortly after takeoff and i mean within 30 minutes like they haven't reached full elevation yet mm-hmm. the plane struck a flock of canada geese uh at the altitude they were at was 2818 feet which is 859 meters the pilot's view was filled with large birds, and the passenger and crew reported that they had heard very loud bangs, saw the engines catch on fire, and then there was silence and the smell of fuel.
0: Ooh.
1: So, ultimately, both of the engines died, essentially. Mm-hmm. Lost power. Solely immediately took control of the air- aircraft, and his co-pilot, Jeffrey Skiles, started working on the checklist to get the engines restored. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't working. And so the plane, for the first 19 seconds after they got hit, or they hit those birds, it continued to climb. They got up to 3,060 feet and then immediately started to glide, descend, and started picking up speed. And so he knew at this moment he had to make a decision. Um, His decisions consisted of two possibilities. One, he could turn around and go back to the airport in New York. Mm -hmm. He could fly to the airport in New Jersey, which were both pretty much equal distance. And he realized in that moment that neither of those were going to work, and it had to be the Hudson River. And that was due to their low elevation, their position from takeoff, and their lack of time, how they were descending very fast. Uh, so this is kind of how the, the uh, conversation went over the radio. So Sully radioed a Mayday call to the New York Terminal Ra- Radar Approach Control Saying, quote, this is Cactus 1539, which Cactus was the correct call for the plane, 1539. Uh, This is Cactus 1539. Hit birds, we've lost thrust in both engines, we're turning back to the Guardia. The air traffic controller, his name was Patrick Harton, told the Guardia's tower to hold all departures. And then he directed Sully to go to runway 31. Sully responded with one word, unable. He then asked controllers for landing options in New Jersey, mentioning the Teterboro Airport, and he was given permission for runway one over there. He initially responded yes, but then a few seconds later said, we can't do it, we're going to be in the Hudson. A few seconds later, he had to make that decision.
0: So this whole thing, like his critical thinking, makes me think like this guy kicked into like the fight and flight mode. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: That's good.
0: I've been holding on to that (laughs) for like a minute now. Like, I have to let it out. I have to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I know. I am pretty lovable. (laughs) I love you too, by the
1: way. Aw, shucks. (laughs) Okay, so we can't do it. We're going to be in the Hudson. End quote. His plan was to glide the plane to ditching which the term ditching is a controlled emergency landing on the surface of water in an aircraft that is not designed for that purpose. So he's ditching the plane on the river. The aircraft passed less than 900 feet above the George Washington Bridge. Solely commanded over the cabin, uh, the cabin address system to quote, brace for impact and the flight attendants relayed the command to the passengers. Meanwhile, as they're going down, air traffic controllers asked the Coast Guard to caution vessels in the Hudson and ask them to prepare to help with rescue. Uh, 90 seconds later, at 3.31 p.m., the plane made an unpowered ditching, hitting the water, going around 125 knots or 140 miles per hour slash 230 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I wrote this down. But basically, the flight attendant said that it was so hard that they hit that there wasn't even, like, a bounce. It was like they hit and then slowly started, like, slowing down. Uh Like, that's how intense it was. Once the plane stopped, uh, Sully opened the cockpit door and gave the order to evacuate. The crew began evacuating the passengers through the four overwing window exits to the inflatable side rafts that were deployed the front left side failed to operate so they had to do the manual inflation option which they just like pull a handle and do it that way and it's one of those things where like good thing that there's extra precautions but also in the moment you're like are you freaking kidding right (laughs) you know it's like you have to think so quickly on your feet the evacuation the evacuation was actually made more difficult because someone had opened the rear left door which started allowing water to flood the Mm -hmm. plane and people dispute if it was like a flight attendant or a passenger, it's unclear, but it also doesn't really matter. It happened, the plane started to fill up with water. So they started to order people to get out as quickly as they could by climbing over the seats. So it was a little bit chaotic. There was even one passenger who was in a wheelchair, but oh. they were able to get him out. And finally, as the plane is filling up with water, Sully made two rounds on the entire plane to make sure there wasn't a single passenger left on board. And then he exited. The air and water temperatures were about 19 degrees Fahrenheit, which is negative 7 degrees Celsius. That was about the water. The air temperature is about 41 degrees Fahrenheit, okay. 5 degrees Celsius. Pretty cold. So a cold day. Uh, some of the passengers waited for rescue, and they were like knee deep in water the whole time. Uh, one was like partially simul- or some of them were partially submerged while they were on the slides. Some of them were wearing life jet life vest others stood on the wings but because a lot of people were afraid that the plane was going to explode some of them were like jumping into the water and just trying to swim away Mm -hmm. so it was like i said a little bit chaotic one passenger actually jumped and just swam to someone's boat like just was like all right i'm out i'm doing this myself (laughs) thankfully they all were able to be rescued so this actually became known as the miracle on the hudson that's what people called it Mm -hmm. and it was the most successful ditching in aviation history Wow. All 155 members on that plane survived. So when they landed, people were rescued by nearby boats, the Coast Guard. Like, everybody's coming in to help. They had on shore, they had, you know, uh, ambulances, fire trucks, police cars, you name it, ready to, like, transport these people to the hospital if they need it. Mm -hmm. Everybody was there to help. And it all happened so quickly. Like, the plane went down. What time did I say? 3.31. And the last person was taken out of the water at 3.55.
0: Oh, okay. So pretty quick. Very quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Only five people of those 155 had serious injuries. One included a a deep laceration in the leg of one of the flight attendants. Mm -hmm. 78 people received medical treatment. 24 were taken to the hospital, including two rescuers. So 24 passengers plus two rescuers. Two passengers were kept overnight in the hospital, but were ended up being able to just be set home. One passenger got damage in his eyes from jet fuel that resulted in, in him having to wear glasses, mm. which I have to do that naturally, so get over it. <laughs> just <kidding>. Wow. Sorry. <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel
1: about me. <laughs> no, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's it. But no, that would probably suck so bad yeah. in all reality all actuality (laughs) (laughs) so um, perspective the plane hit the water at 3.31 everyone was rescued by 3.55 from the moment the birds hit the plane to the moment they landed in the water was less than four minutes
0: really very quick descent (laughs)
1: Yeah, so that whole conversation, him jumping up and grabbing the controls, them informing everyone in the cabin what was happening, mm-hmm. less than four minutes. Dang. Mm-hmm. Dang. Isn't that crazy? Fight and flight. <laughs> sorry. You're kidding. <okay. laughs>
0: I shouldn't apologize for my jokes. They're the best. I'm not sorry.
1: <laughs> so later on, people argued that he could have had time to return to LaGuardia. However... It was affirmed later by some professionals that ditching his plane in the Hudson River gave them the highest probability of survival for everyone on board. So if he had gone to the airport and and landed there, it would have been a crash landing. People would have been more injured. Mm -hmm. There could have been more damage to the plane, which could have resulted in explosions. like
0: water versus tarmac.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Essentially, he made the right call, even though everyone were like, a lot of people were like, that was unnecessary. It's like, it really wasn't, though. He's trying to save lives Mm -hmm. here, you know? So, so now let's talk about the aftermath. He obviously gets a lot of praise for this, which is super cool and definitely deserving. Sully and his co pilot, Skiles, and the flight attendants on board were all awarded the master's medal of the. Uh, Guild for Air Pilots and Air uh, Navigators in recognition of their, quote, heroic and unique aviation achievement. Mm -hmm. Sully was described by his friends as, quote, shy and reticent? Is that the word? I don't know. R-E-T-I-C-E-N-T? Yeah. Okay, I don't know what that word is. Anyways, so he was shy, kind of reserved, and he was noted for being very poised and calm during this crisis. It was... One thing that people pointed out is that, you know, he could have been very panicked, but he really just went into captain mode. Like, save... But
0: Yeah, but again, like, he focused most of his career, like, throughout his career on don't panic in a crisis. Yeah,
1: exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's
0: not that surprising that, that he was like that, but...
1: Yeah, exactly, but being... I guess being known as kind of shy, just having him take control. It's like it not necessarily was that that he was poised and calm, but he also was like, like I said, he was the captain. He was the voice of reason, the one in charge making the calls. And then I thought it was also really cool to note that he was the last person off of the boat, or not the boat, off of the the plane.
0: Which is supposed to be, right? Like they do the same on on ships and Mm -hmm. stuff, so.
1: But it's very honorable that he did. Yes,
0: oh, for sure. We might have mentioned this in your titanic episode but like there was one passenger a japanese passenger on the titanic who was executed because he was considered a coward for not going down with the ship really i don't think he was a captain i don't know if he was one of the staff but uh, i don't know i didn't do
1: i didn't do the titanic itself i did right
0: but like the lucky stories and stuff like that yeah Yeah. like
1: the girl who was on the titanic that that survived it yeah i i think i've heard that though like someone was a coward yeah which is really unfortunate because that's not his fault.
0: Yeah, and I think didn't we don't have to talk about the Titanic right now? But like, didn't the captain also evacuate the ship before like, everyone was off the boat? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So. Side track, Maybe but.
1: maybe we'll do the Titanic one day. Maybe. Uh, well, maybe. Okay. So, fun fact: the New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg actually gave. Sully, the nickname Captain Cool, because of how he kept his cool during this. I thought that was pretty silly, but funny anyways. (laughs) Regardless of that, Sully did end up suffering from symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder in the subsequent weeks, including sleeplessness, flashbacks. Um, He said that the moments before the ditching were, quote, the worst sickening pit of your stomach falling through the floor feeling that he'd ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So, and... Later on, every passenger on board received a letter of apology, including $5,000 in compensation for lost baggage and $5,000 more if they could demonstrate larger losses, but they got $5,000 nonetheless, and a refund of their ticket. And in May 2009, they received any belongings that had been recovered. Passengers also reported offers of up to $10,000 each in return for agreeing not to sue U.S. Airways. (laughs) Fair. Many passengers later also experienced PTSD, including the same symptoms of sleeplessness, flashbacks, panic attacks. Some began an email support group, which kind of made me chuckle, but they also didn't really have Facebook as much as we do now. Sure. So
0: Myspace was, I think, back then.
1: <laughs> Myspace support group. Come on, people. No, i just kidding. <laughs> they used email.
0: They had Tom as a friend.
1: <laughs> so Patrick Harton, who was the controlled person they were talking to when they mm-hmm. were going down, he actually talked about it and he said quote the hardest most dramatic part of the entire event was when it was over and he said that was when the gripping raw moments of shock and grief took over so that it's like it's hard to imagine because i've never been in a crisis that extreme before Mm -hmm. but i i I would imagine feeling so much relief getting out of it being on land and being like okay we made it but then also like what comes to follow i feel like our bodies do a really good job of protecting us oh yeah but also there still is an aftermath obviously like what these people went through so
0: it's like the adrenaline then adrenaline wears off Mm -hmm. and it's like crap what just happened
1: i actually saw a video um on tiktok the other day of a woman who was sopping wet and she was crying and she was like my husband's not answering the phone i need to tell someone so i'm just gonna put this on here and she's like i just rescued a little boy from drowning and like literally she was soaked like it just had happened mm-hmm. a little boy with autism had he's four had walked into a lake and the grandma called out for him and they couldn't find him and she saw him in the water and just immediately rushed to the water wow and got this little boy out and he ended up being fine and she's like i have a three-year-old at home like i was thinking like what if it was my own kid and she's crying telling the story and everyone in the comments is like, it sounds like your adrenaline is coming down and you're having the, the results of this wearing off. Because mm-hmm. she's like, I feel like I should be celebrating. This is like one of the best moments ever. I just saved a life. But also that was the scariest moment of my life, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I, and that's like a very small example compared to what these people went through. But I i am sure it was.
0: Oh, something similar, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. I mean, even though it was a lot less than, you know, 100 passengers. Like it was 155. 155 passengers, like the still a life that she saved and like super, super scary.
1: Yeah. Well, and these guys not knowing exactly what's going to come of it. Yeah. You know, four minutes, they went from something happened to we might die Mm -hmm. and then being able to, you know, survive it all. I'm sure there's a lot that went into it.
0: It's um, so kind of funny. So (laughs) something that bugs me about like those people who like, you know, save animals and those videos and stuff like that. It's, like, I I see too many where, like, these people are setting up their phone. Like, they, the actual footage of these people setting up the phone to go rescue an animal. I'm, like...
1: Just go do Just it. Just go do
0: it. Mm-hmm. Like, this animal's stuck. Why are you recording it? Mm-hmm. And, like, I get maybe some people are trying to say, like, you do the same kind of thing. Like, whatever that like is. Like,
1: raise awareness or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Raising awareness. Um, That's the phrase i was looking for but anyway they um like just unless you have someone with you like
1: just just go just go okay so that that girl i was telling you about there is a video of her rescuing this kid but it's like someone's garage footage from their camera right so it's like obviously authentic in the moment but i Mm -hmm. get what you mean yeah
0: no one specifically that always pops into my mind when i think about it's like there was this girl who was like a deer stuck in a fence and she's like it's the footage included her setting up the camera and hitting record and then like going over and like rescuing the deer like what if it's in pain right yeah like it i don't think the deer was in pain it was just stuck and kind of like freaking out but
1: but watch me do this amazing thing
0: exactly yeah don't do it for attention again if you're doing it to raise awareness fine But don't do it for attention.
1: I wonder if Sully had a moment where he's like, can you just ask the people on the Hudson River to pull out their phones and record this for me? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Nah, no, I'm just teasing. Uh, No, I get what you mean, though. Okay, back to the story. A few months after the crash, he was being interviewed by AARP magazine, and he was asked how he was able to execute a nearly perfect water landing. And he replied, one way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I've been making small, regular deposits in the, in this bank of experience, education, and training. And on January 15th, the balance was sufficient so that I could make every large, uh, sorry, so I can make a very large withdrawal, end quote. So, yeah. told one way to put it. And he's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, like that really is I'm not saying that other pilots couldn't do that. Pilots couldn't do that, but um he definitely had a lot it, you know, backed up for this moment. Yeah, he did. So um, in an effort to prevent similar accidents, officials captured, and this could be also kind of sad depending on how you look at it, but for the greater good. Officials captured and exterminated 1,235 Canadian geese at 17 locations across New York City in the mid-2009 to 2010 era. As of 2017, 70,000 birds have been intentionally killed in New York City as a result of the ditching, but again, it is for the greater good of human life, so take that for however you will. President George Bush called solely to thank him for saving the lives of the passengers, as well as President at the time, elect a president, Barack Obama, who invited him and his crew to join the presidential inauguration, inaugurational ceremony. Sully and his wife attended and they were able to meet Obama on January 20th, 2009 in his hometown where he was currently living, Danville, California. They rep- they presented Sully the Danville key to the town and they named him as an honorary Danville police officer. Every time I say Danville, I want to say Danville. Danville Bishop.
0: Danville Bishop. From New Girl. Like Daniel Willem. No, no, Danville.
1: <laughs> no, no. Anyway, so he was an honorary police officer. He also decided at the time to grant his first official interview to the Wildcat Tribune, which was the official student newspaper of the high school that his daughter was attending. So I thought that was pretty cool. He's this big shot all over the news and he lets his daughter's high school be the ones to get the first story. Yeah. He was also presented the Medal of Valor from the San San Ramon Valley Fire Protection District, which is the district's highest award and has only been given a few times in their history. And the entire crew, so Sully, Skiles, and the cabin crew, which were Doreen Welsh, Sheila Dale, and Donna Dent, they were all honored with a standing ovation during the Super Bowl pre-game ceremony on February 1st, 2009. And sully was awarded with honorary lifetime membership of the seaplane pilots association don't know what that is but that's cool he was also awarded the founder's medal by the air league and admirers of sully started a facebook fan site so they did have facebook
0: oh yeah I'm sure they did. yeah okay
1: <laughs> as of late february 2009 that fan site had half a million members wow yep this part made me laugh um in Soli's carry-on luggage that he had with him on the plane. He had a library book called Just Culture, Balancing Balancing Safety and Accountability. And of course, it was left behind in the cockpit. Mm -hmm. He didn't bring it with him when he jumped off the plane. And so when it was recovered, the entire book was water damaged, and the library made a point of waiving any late fees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs)
1: Um, but they also went as far as Bloomberg, who was the uh, New York City guy.
0: <laughs> it almost seems like the library was trying to, like, pitch in as well. <laughs> like, everyone was giving these uh, these awards and stuff, and they're like, don't worry about your ladies. <laughs>
1: right. Well, okay, so the New York City mayor, I had to remember what his title was, Michael Bloomberg, he heard about that, and he actually gave him a, a brand new copy of this book as a gift, mm-hmm. as well as the key to the city of New York.
0: <laughs> well, I was like, "Oh, don't worry about your late fees.
1: <laughs> it's okay. We don't mind. We'll waive them all." Oh my gosh! Take <laughs> oh yeah. us later. <laughs> he also threw out the first pitch of the 2009 Major League Baseball season for the San Francisco Giants, and he. His Giants jersey was inscribed with the name Sully and the number 155, a reference to the 155 people aboard the plane.
0: Bless you, Denver. Denver's season over here.
1: I thought there was like a crash. (laughs) Okay. Just a fat boy. On June 6, 2009, Sully returned to his childhood hometown of Denison, Texas to participate in the town's D-Day celebration and give the commencement excuse me, give the commencement address for his alma mater, Denison High School making the 40th anniversary of his own graduation from the school um, he also appeared in St. Louis Missouri on July 14, 2009 to participate in the Red Carpet All-Star Parade before the Major League Baseball All-Star Game there are a few more different things that are pretty cool one thing I thought was interesting was the Carolinas Aviation Museum in Charlotte, North Carolina actually now house parts of the plane that crashed, including the engines. Oh,
0: Mm -hmm. that's a good visit.
1: Okay. (laughs) And they announced on January 14th, 2022, that their exhibit, which was the Miracle of the Hudson exhibit, Mm -hmm. would be named for Sullenberger. So that was pretty cool. All these years later. Okay. So in 2010, Sully retired from the US Airways after 30 years. His final flight was from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Charlotte, North Carolina on flight 1167. 1167. He was met at the airport by his former co-pilot, Jeffrey Skiles, and half a dozen of the passengers on flight 1549. So they were there to honor him. He currently is a keynote speaker and an international lecturer at educational institutes and corporations for and nonprofit organizations about the importance of aviation and patient safety. He was also asked uh, in 2009 to run for the 11th Congressional District. And he responded that he has no desire ever to run for office. Um, However, he was nominated by President Biden in 2021 to be uh, the US representative to the Council of Institutional Civil Aviation Organization with the rank of ambassador, which he did serve at until june 2022 so just a little over a year cool. year and a half oh, about a year yeah so that's his like only little slice of politics right there is he did that for one year in his personal life he married fitness instructor lorraine or lori Solenberger, and the two of them adopted two daughters kate and kelly and then just another little short fact about his life before i end this in 1995 on december 7th his father uh committed suicide his dad was going through he had had a major surgery He was going through a lot of like suffering from depression as well as like the difficulties of whatever the surgery was for and he uh killed himself with a gun without leaving a note for his family and along with everything else in his life he also dedicated his life to becoming a uh, suicide prevention activist. And he promoted actively like National Suicide Prevention Week and National Suicide Prevention Lifelines and things like that. So that was a really big part of who he was. So I just thought that was an honorable mention to throw in there as well. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, in 2016, a dramatic feature film called Sully was adapted. Starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> was adapted from Sullenberger's memoir, Highest Duty My Search for What Really Matters. It was directed by Clint Eastwood, and it was starring Tom Hakes as Sullenberger and Aaron Eckert as Skiles, and it recreates the events around the Hudson River landing. Um, And that is the incredible story of Sully, Chelsea, Sully, Sullenberger.
0: Chelsea, Sully, Sullenberger. The first.
1: The third. (laughs) The third. I knew that. (laughs) Cool. <sighs> good job, Sully. I know this was my story and my week, but every time I do the story, I always just feel like I'm just sitting here rambling the whole time, which I kind of am. But that's the point of it. But I'm always like, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for okay. listening. <laughs>
0: my input doesn't matter, apparently. Just my jokes.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, they have to be good though. <laughs> Only the good ones stay in the recordings.
0: <laughs> you edit out the rest of them. <laughs>
1: Would you know? Do you listen to them?
0: No, (laughs) I should. (laughs) I I do actually sometimes every now and then because I I like to go back and it's not to like, it's mainly just to see if the editing worked out okay in the final cut. Because I mean, once I edit mine, I get kind of lazy and I'm like, eh, it's fine. Um, And I don't listen to the whole thing back, which I probably should. (laughs) But yeah.
1: That's funny. So what do you think of the story?
0: It was good. I liked it. I was wondering if this was going to pop up because I wasn't planning on it. But it's like, it's a good story. So I was wondering if you were going to do it. And you do a lot of plane stories too.
1: I know I do. Um, (laughs) That's like, what, my 17th? Oh my goodness.
0: (laughs) Something like that. Because you did the Wright Brothers. You did the one of the girl who got... um, In the Amazon Forest. In the Amazon Forest. And oh, geez, what other ones have you done? Uh, That That might be it actually. And then Sully,
1: obviously. And And then I did the one of the unlucky people. Yeah. The lucky, unlucky people. And I'm pretty sure there was one about a plane on there too. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, here's the thing, though, is that, like, a lot of the times I do research because I, it, it's really easy to find the stories that are, like, dark and scary. Like, I have a lot of
0: I like potential
1: ones. stories of, like, true crime. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like, when I did Kara Robinson, <laughs> I got, like, choked up and was, like, crying through the episode. Right. That's why we're not a true crime podcast is because I can't really hold it together <laughs> all the time. Nope. But I also don't want this to be, like a depressing podcast i want to share the stories of people who've done incredible things in their lives not necessarily like i mean this was a scary situation but not not necessarily like the scary true crimey type things all the time i do like sharing those but not all the time Mm -hmm. another one i did the candy bomber pilot that was another one so oh and uh the the last one (laughs) it was the uh oh gosh the olympic runner who,
0: oh, Lou, uh, Louis. Yes, the, Louis. Louis. Why Louis, can't I remember Louis his
1: that? last name? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, um, talking about. who was a prisoner of war. Yeah, so that was another pilot one.
0: <laughs> you like so, planes?
1: Apparently, I like them better than the ocean. But I still talk about the ocean <laughs> in every freaking episode. <laughs> True.
0: <laughs> I like the ones that keep people interested. Like I, I have some that are like kind of interesting. That do I'm...
1: mine keep you interested? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Rude. Just kidding.
0: Uh, no, I was interested. I like it. I promise. Okay, good. Anyway, well, Hubby might wake up soon, so we should, uh,
1: wrap this up,
0: wrap this up. So thanks everyone. What? Are you going to make a dirty joke? No.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning in to your favorite podcast on the platforms fam damley
1: fam damley on the thanks for being part of our fam yeah gamers. Um, <laughs> if you have your own stories you want us to share again send them in to fam fam family podcast at gmail.com can you do that one more time <laughs> <laughs> i need to just stop at this point <laughs> you go
0: <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on our socials we're on facebook instagram tiktok twitter
1: family podcast on all of the above
0: yes um and then yeah if you have any other stories that you'll also like to uh for us to share any suggestions any suggestions we'll take them into consideration yeah and thanks jesse for uh for for always giving us something else to i think this is
1: like (laughs) um no i was gonna say i think this is like episode six where we've included jesse
0: shout out (laughs) there you go she's our number one fan though
1: no for real (laughs) we're her number one fan obviously (laughs) yes She's, okay
0: she's the only one that we follow on our family page other than that's true <laughs> other than us.
1: yeah our family <laughs> podcast page we literally follow ourselves and jesse <laughs> <laughs> anyways okay do you have any um, funny bad advice for me uh yeah okay while you look that up Miles has been gone all week. And so I've been single mom in it while also simultaneously working two jobs and also packing up the house to move this weekend. No big deal. I'm just superwoman, right? Okay. So, <laughs> no, but the past two days, Harper has basically refused to nap. So, like two days ago, she slept for 30 minutes and I was able to convince her to go back to sleep for another 30 minutes. So, yay me.
0: Yay you. <laughs>
1: Yesterday. She slept for 30 minutes, and it took me two hours of trying to convince her to go back to sleep for me to finally give up and her to win after a 30-minute nap, so.
0: Yep. And now she's been asleep for? Over an hour. Yeah, almost an hour and a half now.
1: Yeah, Miles gets home, and suddenly it's kumbaya.
0: It's because she loves me. <laughs> and if you have a headache, just stub your toe. You'll forget that you have a headache.
1: That's true, but then you keep coming back into the room and reminding me, so. Just kidding. JK, 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 JK. I love you. That was a good one. I appreciate you. Whatever.